0: a massive welcome to Vicky Emery here this morning with us on our Humans at Work podcast. And we are so excited to have her today and to hear about some of the things that she's been doing in her business and while she's out and about working with clients, but also interested in some insights that she's got in and around human skills. So Vicky, maybe if you can kick off just by sharing a little bit about who you're working with, what kind of work you're actually doing and where that takes you.
1: Yeah, thank you. So thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. Um, so the, I am a change practitioner by by background and so on, but I really think I'm more an interpreter. Well, I started in change when nobody really knew that's what it was as a thing. So the skill of you know understanding what was happening for different people going through particular changes and so on is where I really developed my skill of managing people through that as well as leading organisations as well as coaching leaders and other people. So my business change in practice, that's what we do. Um, We help people lead and land change and that means doing it better than we have. So we've all been through change that wasn't well managed and we know the pain and the burn. Uh, And so I guess my goal and work is... Uh, looking at how do we do change differently that still delivers results that's a really important aspect of what I do but does it with our people rather than against them or creating that that scar tissue that we've all had to deal with in, in time so I've been around a long time which I can't really believe sometimes but at all sorts of changes in all sorts of countries so it's an interesting thing as we were just saying to look at well what are the human skills that have helped us through those changes uh, what gets in the way sometimes, uh, and what what might we need to develop for the future? So, mm-hmm. is that, does that kind of help? Yeah, beautiful. That gives a really
0: good overview. Let's um, let's dig into a question that I often debate with people because I have mm-hmm. a different view of this to what most people have. Oh, ah, Okay. <laughs> um, but the the saying that mostly people don't like change. I'm interested in your insights into that saying.
1: Yeah, it's a great comment. I get that all the time. i don't like change, or or the opposite. if oh, I love change. I think what they're really saying is they don't like poorly managed change. They don't like yeah. change that is poorly considered or poorly timed or not well thought through or defined. Um, and a lot of the the conversations I have with people at the front line, and that can be customers or you know community groups. so I, I work with a health board, health district up in Queensland. And they're working out in far northern Queensland communities. So impacted groups or people who need to catch the change can be not just your employees. But they often will say that they're okay with changes. You just don't know why we're doing it again or why we're doing it this way or why we're doing it this time. They just want clear direction on that. So that's why a lot of the work I do is actually better placed with leaders at a senior level right through to mid-level so they can see those connections Mm. um, beautifully to strategy if we've got it, often not. uh, Often we're responding to the environment, the market, customer demands. COVID's been a great example of that and we've seen some amazing adaptations of of individuals and organisations and we've some that haven't really seen the opportunity for that either. So the generalisation that people don't like change, yeah, I get that. I, I think it's more specifically change that is as I said, not considered, not well explained, not well boundaried. Yeah, a bit mashed potato sometimes.
0: When I always think it's just an indicator that people haven't been brought along.
1: <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. And let's be honest, some of the changes we've attempted in organisations are dumb. They, it's the wrong thing to do, or the product is not up to the standard that our people can be proud of, or it doesn't fit with what who we are as an organisation. So they're right to kind of say, uh, hang on, (laughs) this could work differently. So, you know, we can, I think one of the skills is how do we get better at almost crowdsourcing change and getting uh, that kind of feedback, but we still have to deliver for the business. So you can't just veto the change because you don't like it or you don't like the colour of the thing or what have you. It's how do we do this differently? How do we do this in a way that still keeps us moving forward as an organisation? You know, so we've all got jobs and we deliver to the community. Um, but how do we do it in a way that is achievable? Uh, and we can get-
0: Perhaps you can answer that question. How do we do it? So you, you're, you're referencing a way that's different, a way that's more effective, a way that brings people along. What does that look like? like what are some of the core building blocks on yeah. working with a community, whether it's mm. organisational or another kind of community, to shift people from one place to another?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. So um, I use a particular methodology, ProSo. A lot of people would know it. It's probably the longest standing methodology. There are lots of others, but I like that if the fact that it comes from 20-odd years of research. But there are a whole lot of other approaches. But we know having a structured approach adds to your success rates. In fact, it, success rates of organo, of initiatives or projects that use a structured approach of some kind Have a 110% better success rate, right? So they are more successful, even if they're they're sticky or or stinky. Change is the word I use. So they're tricky change. So having some kind of structured approach. Now that doesn't mean that you follow it by the numbers. The real craft of this work is working out what you what do you have time for, um, who the key stakeholders and key influencers, and working with them through. An approach to, as you say, bring people along rather than just going, ta-da, here's the change starting tomorrow, we forgot to tell you, or you're working in a new building or you're adopting a new process or what have you. So some kind of structured approach. Um, The other kinds of things, there's a long list of, of top success factors, excuse me, but a structured approach is one of them. Uh, a lot of the work I do is focused on the the number one success factor, which is actually active invisible sponsors. So, how have we got our CEO or MD right across the executive level, who might be responsible for this thing being successful? So, the new building being occupied or safely, uh, the new process being used, or what have you? Are they on board with this change or have they have just been handed a hot potato as well? So I have yeah. lots of those kind of conversations with poor old sponsors that don't know how or where to start. Uh, and so having a structured approach helps take some of that anxiety away mm-hmm. uh, and I it's a bit like a, opening up the pantry and seeing right, here are, every, here's everything I could do, what are the one or two things that are right for now? And often for yeah. me it starts with that senior leadership discussion uh, or the project team or have you. So. For me, I have five steps that I go through. The first with a client, the first thing is to understand where you're going. Why is this important? Why now? What does it have to deliver? Now, results are really important to me. So that's often people were surprised when a people person talks about business results. Um, So where are are you heading? Where are we now? What's the gap? And why why is that good or bad or what have you? Then we look at what's it going to take? Uh, and that's my way of also checking in with sponsors at these areas about this change, mm. and they're up for, as you say, all of the work <laughs> that's needed—not just to design the thing that we're doing, but to actually bring people along to so they can adopt it mm. and use it well cool. and sustain it. And then the other thing I do is look at um, change-ready leaders. So that, again, that's a lot of the focus uh, for my work. Is it's a bit cultural but it's muscle. If we can build muscle in that middle layer of managers who are often just kind of thrust into this work without much support or training or expertise, and we're suddenly asking them to stop doing the things that they've been good at or love doing uh, and lead people, which is this whole big specialty in its own right. So that's, that's then the last piece that I would build into a plan is what are we doing to build that muscle with our change man, uh, middle layer managers? Because mm-hmm. the good thing is, if you invest in building that muscle, you can use it for any change. They can use it for the small changes that don't need a project board and a program and, and so on. So I'm, I'm constantly looking for ways of building those skills for, for mm. that middle-level manager because they're really under the pump.
0: Yeah, and maybe you can take that group or you can take it more broad, the question I'm about to ask, with all those. So you've got a structured approach, you've got change-ready leaders, you've got those kind of key things in place drill down for me to the next layer of human skills and Mm. really say what are those skills that you are looking for Mm. that help people to adapt to change
1: yeah it's interesting i think that varies by your role in the organization so managers for me the things that they are often i find them struggling with uh, is strategic thinking they have often come from a more transactional world, or they're used to operational things. So, thinking of how things connect to strategy, even for their own team, uh, if they've got a strategy that level. So that's often um, where we start—is talking about why this is important, all those uh, awareness-building kind of things, uh, and then their ability to have difficult conversations, um, or even to be very specific with their group. It's a really tough thing to share some of the information about the things that organisations are asking of our people, particularly if they're remote and not together in the building uh, and then to what we tend to do is kind of leave them to their own devices so poor old managers are trying to work out how to achieve this thing as well that we're trying to do um, and you, you have frontline people who will just want to get things done as well this great australian thing of getting things done but we've got to know what what are we doing and where is it going so there's constant loop back to it's almost a continue an old old fashioned kind of continuous improvement question about where are we going and why? How can we improve this? What what impact will that have on our stakeholders, customers, community? So there's it's those thinking skills. Um, you know, we, we've got great and wonderful smart managers, and the other thing that would help them is to be able to have some space to to be able to have these conversations and think through these things rather than waiting for it to come from a, you know, a handout or a, a um, you know, a, a bullet point sheet from the communications team or what have you. Yeah. You know, they, they often don't have any headspace to think about what they think about the change, let alone lead their people through. So the skills are almost the wonderful things we've learned out of mindfulness in the last few years is that has become more popular in organisations and individuals and, I see managers wanting to be able to do things differently but not knowing where to start. So it's kind of a future trend almost is taking responsibility for their own development rather than waiting for.
0: Yeah, and I think that what you're talking about in terms of taking responsibility is key because otherwise what you get is uh a you know, as you know, a group of people in a workplace that are blaming each other for what, yes. for why something hasn't gone well mm. versus, and I like to call it adults and kids, you know, you've <laughs> yes, either got so kids in a workplace that are not taking responsibility or you've got adults who actually have stepped up and they are taking personal responsibility and the way they engage with whatever is happening around them is entirely different
1: to yeah. have the kids engage Yeah, completely. And it's a, it's a real act out, right? When you feel under the pump, you're being held accountable uh, at, at a mid to lower level without all the things you need to do it. So it's I often call it the MacGyver approach to change, where you've got a bobby pin and there's some chewing gum and off your pop kind of thing. Off you go, solve the problem. Uh, and it, that gets frustrating. And so you see that that shame and name or shame and blame game happening when people are frustrated. They feel a bit lost. They, they want it to be different. I hear so many, I work with so many different groups where at the front line really want the change or things to be different, but they are, they're still looking to their leaders to, to see that we're serious about this too. So how do we um, help teams have good processes and robust conversations about what will work, what won't work, but fun, that, is, that can only work if people have the skill of being clear on purpose being clear on where we're we going and we can't be distracted from that. And that could be selling off part of a business, closing down a team, closing roles, buying a business, but, uh, creating a new product and service to, to try and try quickly. So I think that the cycle that we've, we're have we used to and creating new products or new services, what have you, has been too long for where we need to go in the future. So how do we have this kind of constant innovation Um, cycle almost how do we build those skills as well
0: yeah and that's good because you've touched on what I want to ask you next which is about skills to do with um, workplaces of of the future so you've talked about change readiness and the different skills Mm -hmm. associated with that you've um, mentioned just just lightly but you have mentioned innovation but what are some of the other human skills that you would expect us to be able to develop more robustly than Mm -hmm. what we already have in order for us to be organizations that are going to thrive in the future and not just survive
1: mm. uh, it's it's with the with the, the advent of zoom i have six different um you know connection platforms that i've had to download over the last couple of months <laughs> zoom being one of them skype and so on and you know there's some skills that you have to develop just to use that technology well so never replace face to face in the way that you can read a group or what have you or, or respond to each other uh, so how do we develop the skills or the uh the approach that makes it okay to say you know if I was with a group and things weren't going right I would feel that pretty early and be able to say to a group something else is in the room don't know what it is let's just check that in for a minute and I found that more difficult on social on um you know platforms like zoom and so on and as have a lot of other people who possibly don't have a well-honed meter you know thermometer anyway right particularly managers this comes up a lot with leaders because they're so overloaded they just want to get through their task list and when we talk about how that call went or that zoom call they they've no have had no not even a second to read the group or ask questions and so on so how do we use great and easy technology Mm. that we've had for a long time on my dad it's not like we had to get new technology no that's right how do we use it to still have connection and you hear things, simple things like people having lunch together over Zoom. So it's like they're still sitting in the crib room or across the, the table. But how how do we develop those you know radar uh, skills to read a group and also make it okay to say, all right, we're going to just stop talking about what we're talking about. I need to check in. I'm noticing some screens are off, or I'm noticing what have you. So it's good calling out that behavior and setting up some rules. Now a lot of companies have done have uh, progressed really well on that. But I see a lot of companies that are still struggling with it. They're kind of hoping it would go away once everyone comes back to work. So yeah. it's not going to go away. We're going to have a hybrid combination, hybrid, right? Um, and so for a lot of managers, the other skill is it's less a skill I think and more a mindset shift or a, um, as well as the behavior that comes with that. A lot of the leaders I'm working with are saying things like, "Oh, I can't wait for us all to be back in the office because then I can see people are productive." And so it's, well, that's an interesting comment. See, they're productive. (laughs) Did productivity drop during COVID? No, actually, it didn't. And in fact, for some organisations, for about twenty five percent, it improved. Yeah. So how it's not adding up. So that's a a big. barrier actually for a lot of I think that that's in at least in part back to the children and adults thing because Mm.
0: if we we engage with each other as an adult engages with an adult Mm. then firstly you're not responsible for someone else's productivity they're (laughs) grown-ups and they're responsible Mm. and secondly why would you ever want to control what someone else is doing anyway and, and I think that element in workplaces is part of what is slowly being bred out by this yeah. remote working. And I think yeah. that's a really good thing. I think there's lots of um, difficulties that come with yes. it, like you're yeah. talking about, but there's some good elements to workplaces hmm. being forced to relinquish control right. of their employees right. because... Yeah you know, that is not going to get us into the future. It's only partnering together like adults that will allow us to step into the future. If yeah. we continue to have this view that we're the one in control and you're the pled beneath us and we're controlling all the work that you do, then mm-hmm. that's just not going to cut it.
1: Uh, well, it hasn't been. It hasn't been for years, right, to be honest. So how do we, what does it take? And this is a, a change in a change in a change. What does it take to shift that thinking to behaviour we, we're in, when an organisation is, it values hierarchy. It values or it tells a leader, here are the things you're responsible for and we want to see these KPIs or these measures. When the measures aren't measuring outputs or outcome or quality of uh, relationship and so on, they're measuring that you were here for four days out of five or what yeah. have you, or you made so many widgets. They were crap quality, but you know, you <laughs> hit the target. So there's a lot of history from you know the industrial and the information age. And that has served us to a point. And now, how do we get ready for the innovation age? You know, the imagination age, where different measures that people are—they're going, going to look really nebulous to some people. Innovation is an interesting topic. I'm working with a client at the moment, and one of their projects is to become you know more innovative and so on. And we're talking about measures. Well, how do you measure that? So let's not talk about well, we want to be the number one innovation, or we let's we will be more innovative. Let's just take a pilot and see. You know, can let, can we trial an idea? How, can we create a process that, that makes it okay and safe for us to trial an idea and fail and learn from that and move on? So it's more about shifting the thinking that it's okay to fail. It's okay to test stuff out. It's okay to not know the, the answer two months before we create it. So the, the old quality uh, quality teams and. Um, uh, you know um, improvement circles from the 80s and the 90s are almost coming back again because we did some great work then about exactly as you were saying treating, treating people like adults and letting them if we would clearly have de- would clearly define the opportunity or the problem for the for the organization letting them go fix it they they know better than the senior leaders often and yeah. things like places like google and amazon and a lot of tech companies have brought that kind of approach on where people can work on whatever they want a day a week and all those sorts of things but it's not the front line that are holding us back on some of that it's mid-level managers who need to rethink what they're being asked to provide
0: yeah and I think that there's a real um it's partly skills but it's partly understanding the role and the responsibility for mid-level managers because I I think a lot of the mid-level managers don't really appreciate that they're the first port of call for every employee Mm -hmm. and every employee is going to come to them if they've got Mm -hmm. some kind of problem or if they're bumping Mm -hmm. their head up against something and yet they're the ones that are a bit like the meat in the sandwich because they've got the exec teams and you know leadership team that they're reporting into yeah and I think there's a lot of middle managers that don't really understand the importance Mm -hmm. of what they are doing and the role that they play in organizations and one thing I think is really interesting in relation to this conversation and the future of work is a lot of what I'm seeing in workplaces is, especially with tech companies, but especially with medium-sized orgs as well, mm-hmm. is this desire to have real flat organisational structures mm-hmm. and to take the layers out. And that's really interesting when you're working with companies that are um, that are doing that and being experimental about it as well. Yeah. I think it delivers some mixed results, but it's an interesting conversation in relation to middle managers and what they think their responsibility yeah. is because usually yes. they're the first ones to be cut from the
1: picture. It's so true. We Especially when the, in recent years we've seen heavy cuts in government organisations at the managerial level and, and so on, not just to make them flatter but perhaps they were top heavy was the thinking and so on because those structures grew out and grew to meet particular needs but it's and I see organizations that are almost too flat in a way um, because there's no one person responsible for making the decisions that have to be made about where are we going what's our standard what do we want to be known for um, purpose is king for me I mentioned it before so mm. why are we doing this why now but I always love to then add the next question you know, we, I was working with an organisation that had to close five sites. That's a commercial reality. It's never nice. And when I asked them what the purpose was, they said, well, close five sites. And so to be provocative, I said, well, okay, that's good. If, if that's the purpose, then just turn up at midnight with padlock and lock the site. You're done. Over. Now, of course, I'm not advocating doing it that way. And they were up in arms. We can't do it that way. Now, these are mostly regional centres. And it wasn't until one of them said, Vicky, I have to walk down the street of that town. And be able to hold my head up. It's like now we're talking. Your purpose isn't just to close five sites, that's a reality. And then the question I ask is in a way that what? Or you know, it's about how. So that's about our intention, and that's about ethics. And that's about trust and a whole lot of things. Mm -hmm. I'd see a lot of swing back to that in business, not just making hard, cold business decisions, which we've all had to do, but bringing trust and bringing purpose to it. And there was an interesting article yesterday in Harvard Business Review on that. And so when I asked that question, in a way that what? It was quiet for a little while. And one of them said, well, in a way of which we can be proud. Yeah. Now You wouldn't expect someone to say that about, close five sites how can you be proud of that it's a tough decision in those regions but i
0: think as you're pointing out and and i think this is key to the conversation of human skills for the future as you're pointing out it's really around the how and when you think of human skills it's all about the how (laughs) it's about how you're listening it's about how you're engaging it's about how you're being authentic it's about all of those different um things that connect us as human beings so I think up till now workplaces have got away with doing the what and oh, sure. what, not regarding the how. Mm. And I think moving forward, it's all going. It's going to be much more heavily focused on how we're actually getting the results mm-hmm. of the what.
1: Yeah, and I think people are watching—not just your employees, but the community. Uh, you know, it's where social media people. We're very, we're much more exposed than we used yeah. to be. Yeah, and I see true. a lot of managers who are terrified about that, and that they feel a bit frozen because. They know it will cop some discussion and so on with social media, which you can't control. You can't control where that goes. And sometimes no, the no. best thing is to not respond to it. So that, I think that's another skill for the future. Actually, it's now, not just the future, is for leaders and organisations to know how to, they know how to use social media, but that's still in the construct that they can control it they can kick it off. Yeah. <laughs> so the skill is to know how to shut it down when it crosses the yeah. line respond, to bullying, how to respond, how to, how to, respond respond, to, yeah. how to um, be across it safely yeah. and what to ignore. <laughs> uh, and,
0: and also how to leverage it as well because there's exactly. that side of it, you know, in exactly. terms of um, culture yeah. and brand, etc. Yeah. Um, Vicky, there's an, I guess this will be our, our last question, but I would love for you to be able to share with people some kind of insight or advice or um, tip on moving forward beyond 2020.
1: Yeah, wow. Okay, so I'll, I'll, it'll be a quote, okay, it, and it'll be stand okay. like a mountain, flow like a river. Say so that again stand like a mountain, flow like a river. There's a real skill in that. So, stand like a mountain is about knowing who you are what's important to you, what might be the purpose of your business or your team or the purpose of your work or what have you. So being clear on purpose as we said uh, and how you stand and I'm saying a lot more if we're swinging back to more ethical decision making and those sorts of things and the river is all the stuff that's going to come out of us, <laughs> all the stuff that we're in, the current building we're in or whether you're working from home or the car or a cafe or wherever you might be and that for some people that's a huge shift. I've worked you know, wherever wherever I've got a laptop for the last 30 years. But for some people that's a real, there's so much tied up with who they are and how they, they work. The, and the river is also uh, not just uh, the social and community aspects that are changing as we go, it's the environmental aspects, key trends and issues to be across, but also just to decide where you're going to put your focus. But the interesting thing about the river idea is the river banks are going to hold that so there is a there is a container you know, the river's not just going everywhere it's it's being being developing the skill of actually just monitoring the river and seeing where it's going and deciding how you interact with it or not otherwise you get carried away you get swept away
0: yeah uh, and, and, that's and really... minimizing your resistance
1: right recovery. right and that so it's a wonderful zen thing that's the mindfulness of letting that flow around you um, and observing that and then, again, coming back to what's important to you and your family or your business or what have you and not letting get that get swayed. And this is where, again, the social media thing can uh, sway people in trying to serve too many masters or too many people. So listen to your inner mountain, <laughs> be clear on what you are. Um, and I guess one other tip is if, if something doesn't feel right, if something is not sitting right it's probably not so the skill of being able to check in on that the skill of being able to trust your intuition we're seeing the dawn of coming back to a place where intuition is just as valuable as financial information or customer data or you know feedback from all sorts of other sources so how do I learn to listen that to that a little better
0: Mm, yeah so powerful Thank you so much. Can you share with us and all our listeners of our Humans at Work podcast exactly how they can contact you should they need help with yeah. change or yeah. prosky or anything else?
1: Yeah, sure. So website's probably the best place it's got a lot of information about how we work and what we do and kinds of services you can book and buy coaching sessions there if that helps for a lot of people they just want one kind of sounding board session and that's yep. enough but more importantly I think um you and just what, pick up
0: the, you prefer, what is your website
1: yep changeinpractice.com.au Change in, change in practice practice yeah and I, I called it that because it is about being practical so you can read all the theory you want but let's just see how we do this on the ground right yeah. uh, and right size it for you and your organization or project or business or what have you uh, and the other thing p- is pick up the phone I, I like to understand what it is you're trying to achieve so I can give you the best advice um, advice that you can trust to get results hopefully for you and your organisation. And you can book a call, free discovery call, right into my diary from the website as well. So you can see what works for okay. you time-wise, put, put it in and off we go. Fantastic.
0: Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for I having me. appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll chat again. Thank Thanks you. so much.
1: Bye-bye.